This podcast is brought to you by One Music Collective, a record label, production studio, and entertainment law firm. Follow at One Music Collective for more. He likes a shitload of syrup because he's four. He wants to get jacked up. All jacked up on syrup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, dude. That, that, <laughs> see, like, I have a problem with food. Like, I'm gross. Like, I, I love when I eat, like, a sweet potato. Hello, my name is Graham, and you are now listening to the Graham Radio Podcast. Today on the show, we have JT Brown. JT Brown is a recording artist. He is a singer-songwriter and has traveled the world singing songs and doing his thing. And he has a fantastic story about how he came to be him. Very, very cool guy. Very knowledgeable on the music business. So if you're listening to this and you're looking for some insider knowledge on what's good in a record deal what's bad in a record deal this it, you're in the right spot this is a very very uh no, this is a very great interview which i mean i feel like i could come up with some better adjectives than very great but whatever for now very great interview let's say it's a mind it's a mind opening interview which sounds pretty trippy but i'm into it anyway Great dude. Had an awesome time speaking with him. You can actually find him on YouTube in a music video with Mike Mass. And if you listen to GRP 55 with Mike Mass, we actually talked about that a little bit. They closed down the highway in Tampa to film this this video. They got a permit for it, which is extremely cool. A clip of that is on my Instagram, at Graham Radio. That being said, also follow at One Music Collective. Uh, that is filled with great record label advice, none of which is meant to be taken as legal advice. If you need legal advice, please uh, text me. Or oh, My contact information is on at Graham Radio. Um, that being said, enjoy the pod. Here are some advertisements. Hi, I'm the Lone Dog Johnson, and there's loans all over my eyes. I, they're everywhere, and we have loans. We got FHA loans. We have loans that you can buy houses with. We have advice from a, from a loan guy, okay? The Lone Dog. All right, now I only got one thing to say. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Uh, don't hair blue gin. All right, that's promo code GRP. I, I ain't never drank no gin uh, in my whole life. In my whole life, than hair blue gin. It, it's no, it's number one. Okay, all right. Now, wh- when I be, be drinking another gin, I'm like, this ain't hair blues. Why? Why are you giving me this gin? Cause it ain't hair blues. You, you order this gin from from the GRP from the hair blues website, and you put, put in promo code GRP. I, I, you, you ain't never been doing that. Not even once in your whole life, and nobody tell you differently. Hello, JT Brown. Hey. Hey. Hi, Graham. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, my friend. Good to see you. You know, it's funny. We went from drinking whiskey gingers last night to drinking whiskey gingers tonight. I had a nice uh, Knob Creek and ginger <sighs> to start my evening. See, that's nice. So, uh, JT Brown. You know, I moved to Tampa 16, 17 days. And when I moved here, I was shown, like, many Tampa artists, and I, I was like, this is awesome. I'm in Tampa. I'm in the right place. And then I was told about Mike Mass, and I was like, yo, like, this guy's super cool. He's a super talented dude. Check out this music video. And, of course, I was shown Blood in the Water. And I'm like, yo, like, 
who is this who is this guy like what's who is JT Brown and then lo and behold there you are at shuffle yeah. and I didn't know that it was you at first like you do look sort of different in the music video like I didn't like um like it, it, in the music video like I, I don't think you're wearing a hat right no yeah and last night you were wearing like probably the coolest hat that I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life and yeah. um I like you and I start talking there was no one else in shuffle and you're like, yeah, like I'm, a, I'm an artist. I'm gonna be performing tonight. I have a song with Mike Mass, and I'm like, wait a minute, are you t- are you JT Brown? And you were like, yeah, actually, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was uh, interesting to um, get with him on that project. It was he was my my first and only pick for it. Really? Yeah. And uh, so Mike called me a couple nights ago. And asked me if I wanted to do a feature there. And I love that dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I said, yes, of course, let's do it. There was a lot of talent there last night. It was really wide range of talent and different. Thing. I mean, the, the, there was a magician. That The magician was great, too. Yeah, Steve. Like, just random shit that was very entertaining and, and craft, well-crafted, you know? Yeah, cool. that, that sh- so uh, for the listeners, um, every... Tuesday night at a bar called Shuffle in Tampa. There is what may be the greatest open mic of all time. And I'm talking about talent and I'm talking about vibes because it's just like, I mean, I'm sure that you've been to a million and a half open mics like, like before you like got like, like your records and stuff and Mm -hmm. you're touring and gun around the country and things like that in Canada. But like that open mic, how does it compare to other open mics? Um, I think most open uh, most open mics are sort of a um, like a testing ground for up and comers that are trying to develop their craft and work things out. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so you get a lot of <clears throat> a lot of performers that probably have a, a natural talent that's maybe underdeveloped. They're there to work on it, and you can recognize that they have something innate that's valuable that they can cultivate and and um, develop into something more valuable. Um, and then you get a lot of people that, you know, whose grandmother tells them they can sing or whatever, <laughs> and they go and they try to do it. They, they're convinced they can do it. And the harsh truth is that they should do something else, you know. Mm-hmm. This particular open mic is awesome because everybody that steps up is e- either really, really naturally good or really developed in their craft, it's more of like a showcase than a than a uh, than an open mic, typical open mic format. Other than the sign up sheet, you know. But you, what what are some uh, what are some professional sign up <laughs> sheets like? What, what's wrong with a sign up sheet at shuffle? Oh my god, it's great! No, I'm saying other than the other than like the only the only similarity between what we saw last night and you know what you would get at most open open mics is the is the sign up sheet beyond that it's like oh, oh, oh. the talent level was just bana- bananas bananas I was really really I, s- I say things it are, was cool um, man i say that things are bananas all the time that's like my favorite way to describe things i don't know if that is like a weird age like ages us or me or something i don't know bananas no we'll we're, we're, bananas. We're, di- we're different in age yeah yeah you're definitely much younger than me i'm 25 and yes. you're you're 30 36 36 yeah yes. yeah we, we, i think we talked about that last night but yeah but I think, and I think, uh, you look 25. I look, I look 36. <laughs> That's how I know. I mean, I feel, like, I feel like you might be right. I feel like we look our age. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's cool. 
<laughs> it's both, cool with me, man. Yeah, and we both say that things are bananas, and we like whiskey gingers. And I like I like fruit, you know. I also like fruit. Shout fruit out to too. fruit. What's your Shout favorite fruit? The ginger berry, the whiskey tree from the whiskey tree. <laughs> um, what is JT Brown's favorite fruit? And a Gram Radio exclusive. I really like blackberries a lot. Blackberries. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, no. I think that's that's. That's it's worthy of a the wah 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 wah. It is the air horns. Um, black, I don't know. I feed my I feed my kids a lot of berries. They nice. love them. It's just like a they ask for snacks constantly. Blackberries are just too seedy. They are very I seedy. Feel like they are. Um, they love raspberries and, and blueberries and strawberries. You know the berries. Yeah, well, it's uh, good. It's just a good snack to like get like chew them. It's also just like it's healthy a placeholder. It's not filling. Um, all right, I have, a, not filling. I have a question about parenting. Sure. So when I was little, for breakfast every single day, Eggo waffles, lots of butter, lots of syrup. Is that like the move when you, when you have kids? That is literally what we feed our kids most mornings. Either nice. that or oatmeal. Nice. Yeah. Literally, apple, cinnamon, Eggos is what they like. It's, oh my god, it's awesome. The little one eats it, eats it bare. Wait, it, what do you mean bare? Like out of the freezer? No, like. <laughs> Toast, toasted without <laughs> without any sort of topping, butter or syrup. Okay. And then my, my four-year-old, um, he likes a shitload of syrup because he's four. He wants to get jacked up. All jacked up on syrup. Yeah. 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 Dude. That, that, <laughs> see, like, I have a problem with food. Like, I'm gross. Like, I, I love when I eat, like, a sweet potato to just fill that shit up with butter. Oh, my God. I know. Dude. Yeah. How good butter are sweet potatoes? Do you like sweet I potatoes? I love sweet potatoes. Dude, Brown right? sugar. Cinnamon, butter. Wait, have you put brown sugar on bacon? Yo. I don't think so. Yo. I've had like candied bacon, but I don't, I don't no, know. I, is that, that what that is? That's what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what that is. I was going to say, I mean, I, I'm going to have um, I'm gonna have my mom cook up some, some of her famous candy bacon, and I'm going to like somehow bring it to you fresh so you can try it. Oh, like, man. It is so, it, it is phenomenal. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah, oh my God, sweet it. potatoes. Like, um, I think that, bacon. I think for, um, there was like a, oh, oh yeah. When I graduated from law school, my mom was like, so what do you want to, what do you want to eat? Like, what, what do you want for dinner? We can have anything. And I was like, I want sweet potatoes. And she was like, no, <laughs> my household is a non sweet potato house. It's so fucked up. Like no one likes sweet potatoes except for me. What's the, what's the standard diet? Like, what, what is it? Like, at my house? Yeah. Oh, my God. My mom has been on such a health <laughs> kick. It's been honestly awesome. Big on fiber. Lots of beans. Like, I came, I moved to Tampa with literally two gallon bags of, like, be- of beans. Not, like, black beans, but it's, like, this assortment of beans with, like, apple cider vinegar and, like, all this, like, cilantro. And it's, like, kidney beans, pinto beans, black yeah. beans. Like, all of this stuff. It's not warm. It's, like, it's better eaten cold. Yeah. But it's so filled with fiber. Oh, my God. Beans are good for you, man. They are. Yeah. I don't know. Rice and beans? Shit. Dude, Can't go wrong with that. Dude. Oh, bro. I ate a lot of that when I was young. Dude, out 20, dude. 21, or whatever. There's There <laughs> are these uh, Colombian spots, like, right near One Music Collective. And there's this one in particular. I don't know what it's called. But I l- literally walk there. And their rice and beans. I had it today. So good, dude. So good. Yeah. The, uh, Colombians do something with rice and beans that just make it so special. Colombian food is 
very, very good. Dude. I like dude. I mean, yeah, as far as like regional Latin food goes. In, in, wait, have you been to BJ's Barbecue? In nope. it's it's in Tampa, dude. It's a fucking spot, dude. It is so good. It's like smoked barbecue. It's like it comes on like a paper plate. You, they give you Wonder Bread with it. Like, Jeez, where's it at? I I, I drove past. Oh, it. you dude, just moved here. You I don't. Ju- I'm so don't know new. Street names and crossroads. Well, nothing. I know Kelly Road, which is the road that I live on in Memorial Highway. It's about five hundred feet that way. Yeah. Kelly Road? Yeah. Yeah. That's where I live. It's <laughs> <laughs> good, man. You stick it stick in this radius for a little while. Mm. You know, so branch out slowly. Nah, see, I like this spot. It's a good spot. I mean, dude, I've it's my literally my creative outlet, which is great. You're right in the center of I mean, the whole metropolitan area. I mean, St. Pete's a twenty minute drive. Downtown Tampa's twelve minutes, fifteen okay. minutes. North Tampa. Up in the woods, kind of where I live. It's. It took me twenty minutes to get here from my house. Really? Wait, you're right, dead in the center. It's a great. Wait, it's a great location. There's woods. Are is there? Are there good? Do you hear like a bass, like a low bass? You hear that? Mm. Or am I just tripping? All right, whatever. It no, I, he- I hear it. What is that? Yep. Yeah. I don't know what that is. All right. Well, whatever. Let's just keep moving. Uh, wait, let me ask something. Are there good spots to hike in Tampa? Because I want to go hiking. Um, yeah. Depends. I mean, what kind of hiking? Walking around, listening to Grateful Dead. Hmm. Alafaya River State Park is really cool. Flatwoods is awesome. Yeah? That's out. That's more out, like, towards Wesley Chapel, which is east of Tampa. Okay. Um, East of kind of north Tampa. Um, is it this? Yep. Nope. <laughs> what is it? Oh, come on, people. Hmm. Yo, yo. Oh, it's so, but it bothers me so much. I mean, I can just cut this out later, but like, uh, could it be this? Yep. I hear it. I hear it when it say something. Hi. I don't hear it now. Yo, 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 yo. It's still there. It is. You want to just do no headphones so that it doesn't like bother us and like whatever. Like a, if it comes through on the podcast, whatever. It's just gonna. I mean, you can wear headphones, but like yeah, I'll, I'll wear them. All right, cool. Um. Oh my gosh! All right, dude. Yeah, Tampa's fucking sweet. I like it a lot. It's and come d- a long ways in the last few years, you know. I, I mean, dude, like the whole reason that I moved out here, like you know, we literally just met yesterday. Like we don't know each other very well, mm-hmm. but dude, like the whole reason that I moved out here was literally to like enter the music scene and meet people in the music scene and just like become a part of it. You know, like sure. do music law, do podcasting, things like that. And dude, like. Two weeks here, I've had you in, in here. I've had Mike Mass in here. Psych. Fucking, like, it's, so, I'm just having a blast, man. It's awesome, man. It's just a great, great, great time. Yeah, Psych's cool. He's a, he's a really, um. He's a great rapper. He's very, very talented. Mm. But he's just a sweet, nice person, you know. Dude, I mean, absolutely. Mike is too. So, Something well, about uh, Psych's really, he's just a very, uh, he's very lovable to me. 
he's lovable a kind guy. of character. You know? He's a great guy. He's a yeah. really, really he's a bad guy. motherfucker, bro. He, have, have you listened to Psycho? His rhymes are very tasty. Yeah, his rhymes are very tasty. He's good. He's Dude, really good. His album Psych 101 is actually crazy. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't heard much of it. I only heard this couple singles that. It's solid. They it, really, it's really but, solid. Yeah. Do you listen to all sorts of types, uh, all sorts of music, or like? I don't really listen to a lot of music. Really? Mm-mm. You know what's funny? When I moved here, um, I was talking with Wright, the main producer here, and I was like, "So, what kind of music do you like?" And he was like, "Oh, I don't really listen to that much music." But like his, excuse me, his job is like making music. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it reminds me of like, um, there's a theory in stand-up comedy where a lot of stand-up comics don't listen or go to like stand-up comedy shows mm-hmm. because they don't want to like be influenced slash they're like just busy making their own thing. But another argument is like you you can find like more and more inspiration by listening. Absolutely. To yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I do. I shouldn't say I don't. I do, but it's not. I don't seek it out. Um. Like, on the way over here, I was listening to uh, Brandy Carlisle. I can't remember the name of the song. Hurricane. Um, and I almost started weeping in the car. And I thought, no, I don't want my eyes to be all puffy for this interview. That's beautiful. this podcast. I've cried on the podcast before. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's good. Dude, isn't it the best when... If you can be vulnerable in front of camera like that, that's good. Dude, yeah, man. Um but you know, I don't. I don't really seek it out. Um, I guess I just live in my head a lot, working on my own stuff. You know, I don't know. Um, I'm when I do hear music, that's that's great though. It's it certainly moves me and gives me. It's the, I don't really take a lot of musical inspiration and in ter- like from a technical perspective or a stylistic perspective, directly. I mean, I, I think through osmosis, things I hear kind of come out in subtle ways and whatever. I'm writing at the moment or whatever whatever my style is um but for the most part um the inspiration lies in just the ethic that somebody's doing it with or the conviction that they're doing it with or Wait, but the, the belief convic- that you can you can feel in them you know it's that's what resonates and that's for me that's what i aspire to do is to be as fully in it as possible, you know, not not consciously, but just letting go to the maximum, you know. It sounds like what you're saying is that you respect raw expressionism. Hundred percent. Yeah, like 100%. when when someone is um adequately portraying like a message to someone, and then like not only adi- I think that when you adequately um, portray a message to someone, like the adequacy of it lies in how consumable it is, mm-hmm. because like. As awesome as an idea may be and as, like, badly you may want to express it, if it's not consumable, then people aren't going to consume it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I think the uh, <clears throat> idea of making something consumable sort of lies in the rawness of, of the... Uh, the, the work, whatever yeah. it is, you know. Um, I think what makes something most consumable is um, transparency or authenticity or vulnerability or whatever, you know. When people can see uh, and, and feel and hear the truth in the, in, in the artist's belief in what they're saying and what they're singing, that's to me what translates the most. That's what makes it consumable. Obviously, you can play three chords and 
You know, a lot of pop music is, you know, as 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 difficult as it is to really, really push the genre of pop, people think it's easy, and it's not. You know, it, it's it's not an easy thing to craft what a lot of um, more snobby musicians think is rubbish. And then, you know, it's a lot of it's regurgitated. You know, it's just it's formulaic. It's all these different things. But even within that, in order to make something new and unique, in a way, it's a it's a difficult task. But I mean, I'd like to separate the idea of um, you know these like formulaic pop songs from true raw expression. You know, I think both of those things have a lot of weight in terms of um, like consumer value and things like that. So. Uh, it's those are the two things that I think attract the largest group. Right? You know, you have people that are seeking out something that's they've heard a million times. It's familiar that they don't have to think about. It, they can just dance in their car to or right. whatever. And then there's people that want to uh, dive into the the depth of an artist and the nuances of their unique uniqueness or the unique your unique sense of creativity or whatever. So. Um, and then there's people that straddle the line, like I, like me. I like a lot of pop music, you know, and I respect a lot of the uh, melodies that come out of the pop world because well, a lot of the shit is brilliant, you know. I'll, a lot of it is brilliant. And I, I was going to ask you, like, where on the bell curve are you? Like, where on the bell curve are you between, like, making things, like, for the purpose of, um, like, for, for the purpose of your audience being able to consume it and for the purpose of you expressing an idea? The older I get and the more children I have, the more I lean towards the, let's make this a little more palatable for the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, yeah, because I would imagine there's that a way like, to str- like, like the more palatable it is for the audience, um, the more I mean, you just have to find a balance. Like the more exactly. palatable it is, it may not be expressing exactly what you want, but it may be uh, easier for a a label to want to sign you, and then that's just more capital. I think there's a way to do both. I mean, I I, I think there's a way to um, construct melodies. And hooks that you can, you know, you can do it and you can do it your way and, and, and certain melodies are just hooky and they feel good and whatever, you know, I don't think it has to be over sort of pop production or anything like that, but, um, excuse me. I think at the end of the day, if you can manage to over time identify who you, who you are as an artist you know, if you have a clear identity, um, then you can slowly st- sort of uh, dabble in things that are a little more easy to swallow, a little more palatable, and not lose your authenticity as an artist. So, you know, if you're if you're aiming if you're aiming to please an audience, you're always going to be a step behind, man, because there's always somebody ahead of you pushing the pushing the pushing the boundary of what it is of what pop music is, you know? So do you think that you are actualized in like who you are as an artist? I think I'm getting there now. I mean, I, it's taken a long time, you know, right? Like 15 wh- years I've been at it. So I mean, uh, not that long, but I, a lot, you know, good amount I have nothing but respect for that because I'm still figuring out who, like what the Graham radio podcast mm-hmm. is. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, it it's a time, journey yeah. from when you start, but I think that, the reason that you start is because you see like just something kind of draws you to it. Hundred, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, it, it's definitely something that, um, is either in you 
or it or it comes through you or whatever in, in a moment and you kind of for me it was a spark you know I, I I just it hit me like a bolt of lightning like like how what do you mean I was on the I was in school in Miami um what I was in art schools at art Institute downtown in Miami okay. I was studying interior design when, when was um, this? this is 2005 or six um and I've been playing guitar and I mean, I've been playing music most so, of my so life. At, so, so at this time, you were 20 years old. 20. Okay. Living in Miami. And had a cool apartment on the water and stuff. It was awesome. Nice. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for nice. sure. Uh, and I was writing a lot. I didn't know anybody down there. I had one friend. Um, one kid that I knew that was with Ford. He was, he was a model with Ford and... Um, Wait, he was a model with Ford. With Ford modeling agency is it, Ford's an agency down. Oh, I thought that has an office. Truck. He might have gotten. I wonder if he got some a Ford spot at some point. He had kind of a. Uh, I would love a Ford. He had spot kind of a too. southern Sweet. southern fried look about him. Uh, anyways, he was wild as shit, and I just I limited the amount of time I hung out with him because I knew he'd get me in trouble. <laughs> and uh, I spent a lot of time by myself. I had a I had a like a seventy year old neighbor that so sold the finest cannabis I'd smoked at that point. Nice. And I would just hang out and roll joints and write, work on my designs, you know, designing furniture and whatever else I was doing. You were, so at art school, uh, when you were in your 20s, you mm-hmm. were like designing furniture? or, or Yeah, we or had we had some couple classes that were like in furniture design and whatnot. Just to why did you go to art school um, in the first place? Like, like I, um, that sounds like you went to art school straight out of high school. No, I went to... I went to Florida Southern. I bounced around, man. I went to Florida Southern and Lakeland. And where's you um, in high school? I went to, I graduated from Gaither. Went to Jesuit here in Tampa for a few years, and then I grad, ended up graduating from Gaither, um, which is a high school up in North Tampa. Okay. And I went to Florida Southern, and then that didn't last long. And I went to USF and had sort of a aha moment about the collegiate system or the, the um, like I had a disagreement with an English, I had a I had an English professor, a collegiate English professor, tell me a word wasn't a word, when it, I knew it was a word, and he docked me on these points, and I was like, hey man, like, you know, what was the word? Get your shit together. I think it was factuality. I was I was said something like, you know, if you can convince a large enough group of people for long enough that something is true. It's, it forces it into a state of factuality is what I said. And he told me flat factuality isn't a word. I was like, fucking kidding me? You I might be right. I, it's not a word. Dude. But it then ended up being a word. So I was just like, eh. Uh, yeah. Like, I was immature and young and to, to react, you know, by being like, ah, oh, fuck college. I'm out. Okay. But, I mean, the guy was, guy had a big ego. Like a lot of English professors, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm they're a, a certain like sort. But anyways. I got a bad taste in my mouth for that kind of traditional thing. So I, I always loved interior design, and um, I mean, I I read Architectural Digest, you know, my, in the my parents' house bathrooms, you know, for years. That's funny. I, I just w- love I w- design. So. See, I, I would have never expected that um, J T. Brown, artist, would have ever been super into um, like designing furniture. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. I love it. I didn't. I didn't dive too deep in it. I don't have a 
Um, it's not a developed skill or anything. Right. So, <coughs> so you were in art school, and then there was a spark. It was a spark, man. I was on the beach, um, and it hit me. I don't know. Lyrics, melody, guitar part, it all kind of came in at once. It was very overwhelming. Um like were emotional, you, so just you were playing a song. In the, this is in the middle of the day. Okay. <clears throat> song came to me and it just it hit me, and I, I, I had never. I think I think that was the first time I felt like uh, clarity of purpose. You know, like it hit me, and I, I was like, "This is, this is something. This is this is what I'm built to do." You know, or whatever, whatever my makeup is, this is what I think. Um. I'm built to do what the right what the right path might be for me. Do you remember what song that was? Like week weeks later, I was back home and you know I sold my car and was living in a studio. <laughs> so just yeah. Do I remember what song it was? Good God, no, I don't. I really don't. It might be one I play and I don't even know. I really don't. It seems, it seems like something that you'd remember. Oh, I could make something up, but I don't want to do that. I really don't remember. I have sort maybe of maybe jellyfish I, or something. I have so I have a sort of a similar moment in my life. Um like I had always like so my um mom a huge Grateful Dead fan, followed the Grateful Dead on tour for a, for like a few years. In in our house we have a big framed pic like a framed thing of multiple multiple Grateful Dead shows from like the early 80s all the way to like the 90s. Plus, like, Bob Dylan, Warren Zevon, like, The Who, like, tons and tons of cool stuff. Awesome. So my whole life, uh, it's very been very, very, very much about music and The Grateful Dead. And when I was, um, when I was very young, I got into The Beatles. I loved, loved, loved The Beatles. Now, my dad, so the reason that my name is Graham, or, the, actually, that's actually my middle name. My, my first name is Levi, but my, my um, like, my artist name, you can say, is Graham. Mm-hmm. And the reason that my name is Graham is because Bill Graham, who I'm named after, was the music promoter for the Grateful Dead. And Bill Graham actually, um, it, do you remember uh, Live Aid Philadelphia? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Live Aid Philadelphia was a show benefiting um, like AIDS in Africa. And mm-hmm. there was one held in England. There was one held in Philadelphia. Okay. And my dad, when he was 18 years old, drove from Miami Beach to Philadelphia and stalked the promoter for the show, this dude Bill Graham who's a legend in the rock community and literally like Bill Graham gave my dad a shot and my dad opened Live Aid Philadelphia in the 80s. What do you mean opened it? Like he would as a performer? Like opened it as a performer. Like Holy he went shit. on stage in front of like uh, like thousands and thousands and thousands of people and wow. sang two songs. Yeah, it's That's all, it's, awesome. it's all on YouTube. It's pretty crazy. There's that actually awesome. there's actually a whole um like YouTube clip of like it was it's like a local news clip of like the like David Weinstein drove from Miami Beach to Philadelphia <laughs> with with the hopes of getting on stage and now he'll be able to perform That's and like amazing. my whole family is in it this is before I was born so like my grandma like my aunts and so it's pretty wild that is wild yeah it would never happen today um I'm glad that he did it when you could do it yeah. I mean, I I think that something like that could happen today, but maybe in a different form. Like uh, you're definitely not going backstage and hounding anybody's management. That's for sure. Yeah, everything's very uh, so very protected. The moment that I want to get to is like, um, I always knew that I loved music, but 
So I went to like, uh, do you know about like Jewish sleepaway camp? Like, uh, like a Jew. So it, it's sort of like in Jewish. It's honestly in Jewish tradition at this point mm-hmm. to like when you're a kid all the way up through like the beginning of high school, you um, go to like sleepaway camp, and it's fucking awesome. You go there for at least a month. And it's just you and a bunch of Jewish kids your age, and you just have fun and, like, get your first kiss with girls and this and that. And you can start very, very, very young. I started at Camp Blue Star when I was in, um, I think, going into fourth grade. Maybe going into fifth grade, but no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, going into fourth grade. I was a pioneer one if you went to Blue Star. And, (laughs) yeah, and there was a time where, like, I was alone. Like I, like, I had been listening to the song, um, um, She's Leaving, like, uh, like, She's Leaving Home by the Beatles. Um, Sing it. I honestly don't <laughs> remember how it goes, but this is connected to my phone. Her, I can play I can play it real quick. Wednesday morning at five o'clock as the day begins. I don't want to get copyrighted. Silently closing the bedroom door. Jesus, that's so good. That she would say more. She goes downstairs to the kitchen, clutching the handkerchief. So I like incredible. I fell in love with that. That's off of Sgt. Pepper's. I believe it's off of Sgt. Pepper's. And I just like fell in love with that album. And I was just listening to it constantly. And this is when I was nine years old. And I was walking back to my like from the dining hall to my cabin. Usually you're with people, but I was just by myself. And like I just kept on like that song was just in my head. And I was, like, singing it out loud, but, like, sort of my own way of doing it. Like, I was just, like, and I don't remember what it was. I don't remember how it was my own way of doing it, but it was my own way of doing it. And it was, like, I didn't, like, have this epiphany at the time that was, like, I need to focus on, like, music. And I don't do music. Like, I just, like, work in the music space. Mm -hmm. But, like, at that time it was like like that is sort of like a bookmark in my life where i say like that is the first moment that i remember that music is my religion yeah like music is more important to me than Mm -hmm. than almost anything except for like my family you know what i mean (laughs) so yeah it's like like moments like that are rare very formative but but they're very they're very important to like to recognize when they happen absolutely yeah so like you're on the beach, you have this yeah. moment, and you and you, you leave art school. I left art school and uh, soon after that moment. Yeah. What about your? What, did you say bye to your seventy year old neighbor? <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I'm sure I you saw what, him before I left. Do you remember what his name was? Oh no. Um, uh, maybe Jose. It was a pretty common Latin ma- male name. Okay, I'm down for Jose. Um. He was rad though. He was rad. He was kind of a, he was kind of a recluse. Had like birds in his apartment and shit. And it was trippy. Yeah. So interesting, dude. Um, yeah, I was gone. A couple weeks later, I had a, my buddy had a, uh, he had a house, but he had, 
about half of it turned into a studio um, out in Temple Terrace over on the River, Hillsborough River. And I sold my car. What kind of car was it? It was a Chevy Trailblazer, a couple years old, a few years old. I sold it to a used car lot for, man, I got fucked on that deal big time. Too young and too dumb to, and too impatient to, to, uh, what is it, haggle. Um, <laughs> I got fucked on that deal big time in hindsight. Uh, probably by five grand. Damn, how much did you sell it for? I think eight, something like that. Enough to buy, like, enough to buy me a year's worth of rent and, like, shitloads of pasta and rice. You know, yeah, that's, I mean, that's all you need, man. And I taught myself how I taught myself in that space. I didn't have any money to do anything. I wasn't doing anything other than hanging out there and hanging out on the river or whatever. Um, but I taught myself how to engineer. I mean, I'm a, I'm a mediocre engineer at best only because I, I feel like I haven't like, I put so much attention about computers. Like you're talking oh, nope, um, engineering. Mic placement, um, compression settings. Oh, like sound engineering. Sound engineering. Okay. Um, and I taught myself the programs. I was I was working on Pro Tools and Cubase, um, and I think something else, maybe Fruity Loops or some other drum program. But I taught myself the, the software. Who are you? Uh, like. When you were learning about this, who were you learning it for? Like, were you working for a band? Who no, I was, do, I was doing it to learn how to record myself. Okay. So I could figure out how to record songs, you know? Okay. I was doing it for me, mm-hmm. just to build the build the songs. And so, when, so when you were doing this, you were recording songs and, like, writing absolutely. and recording. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Are those like the basement tapes? Like you have those hidden no, somewhere? No, I don't think anything ever, I don't think I com- actually completed anything. It was more just, oh, this is how you, you know, this is how you pull 2K out of a high bass tone to make a little room for a harmony vocal or whatever, you know. Okay. Just figuring out the 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 really small details and the minutia and and mixing and things like that. Um, I guess, I mean, I was learning, how, really learning how to play my instrument. I don't know. It was all, it was all just and condensed did, all of it did together. Did you have more than an acoustic guitar or was it, oh, yeah. um, what, what else did you have? At that point I had a 60 reissue that was built in 92, Les Paul, um, Cherry Sunburst. I still have it. It's my favorite guitar to play rock and roll on. I mean, it's really fast. Um, and then I had, my buddy had a Princeton, which was unbelievably fortunate to be able to re- record with all the time. I, I I would I would love to have a Princeton now. Uh, <laughs> um, the really good, clean Princeton's hard to find. They're very expensive. Um, it's a Fender. Um, and then we had a couple... Oh, a, a couple Prin- strats, a couple Princeton, American strats. A Princeton is a form of Fender. Yeah, Princeton's a little small. I don't. I think maybe one twelve or one ten. Even I don't know. I don't really know. I'm not. A, I'm not real techie on this kind of stuff. I just know it sounds fucking incredible when you break it up a little bit. You put it like to six or or so, and um, it starts to break up. It's got one of the best like pushed t- distortion 
natural distortions from an amp you can never find. But it's very clean and chimey too. So it works well with a Strat. It works really well with an overdriven Les Paul. It's a versatile amp that's buttery. Um, but he had this gear, and I just I learned how to I learned how to construct songs, mm-hmm. you know, and record them. And I think it was more like hearing myself back, sort of like the way golfers tape all their sessions and, and analyze their swing, you know. It's kind of that that same ana- type of analysis. Were you going by uh, try and fail and try and fail, or was 100%. it... 100%. Uh, oh, but I'm asking, um, were you also, like, reading about theory of things like this? No, 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 no. I, um, I, learned, b- the, I learned the basics of music theory, I guess, fourth grade. Um, I've been playing, you know, there's a piano in my house and stuff like that. And I'd been tinkering around for a long time, but, um, I got on sax in fourth grade and I learned from a lady named Luann Mueller. She was a clarinetist in the Ford orchestra and went to, um, to Juilliard and the Peabody Institute and, uh, just a very accomplished musician in her own right. And she was teaching kids. Do you think she's still teaching? I don't know. I'd love to reach out to her and. Maybe feature her. I love clarinet. I don't ever hear her play some place on my records, was? but uh, Luann Mueller. Luann, yeah, Luann okay. Mueller. I don't even know if she's. I mean, I assume she's still alive, but uh, she was. She was just an unbelievable person. I mean, I still remember her very clearly. Being when did she teach you? This is fourth grade. I was ten or nine. Okay. And on the this is clarinet on sax on sax. And she played clarinet. She was, was this in school or she was come to your house? No, this was in school. Um, and she really, uh, we, we had a lot of one-on-one, one-on-one conversations about, you know, when you, when you're learning, especially in a band, like a school band or an orchestra setting, you, they're trying to teach you the fundamentals and, and you're, and you're learning all these different phrases, legato and, um, you know, whatever else, all the Latin phrases that, um, describe pace and mood and feel, uh, in a piece of written music. And she really took time, one-on-one even, to convey to me um, what those things meant or how to articulate them, you know, beyond just memorizing them for a test in, in the class. Right. You know, it was like, I really, uh, I got like a first-class lesson right out the gate on the feel of music and how to articulate feel, mm-hmm. feeling, um, which was which was paramount in my development, I think. Um, I think I got off topic. Went on a little tangent there. Oh no! What were we yeah, talking okay. about? Uh, so the studio. So right now we are in your twenties, and you are picking up guitars. You're learning about sound engineering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're starting to pick up more and more guitars. You get your uh, what's called a cherry bull, a cherry cherry sunburst, a, cher- a cherry sunburst. Yeah. Okay. Who famously plays that? Does someone famously play that? Yeah. A lot of guys. I mean. Okay. Um. Jimmy Page played one on. A lot of Zeppelin records. Nice. Um, they're pretty. I mean, they're very common as far as far as like a production model. Gibson. So, so what was like the next step? Um, hmm. I think when I had written enough songs to when I had written enough songs to match that number with a handful of covers, and I could play an hour. I went and asked a friend that had a little sandwich shop. Hey, can I like? Can I come in and? Play some songs, and they're like, "Yeah, that's cool." What yeah, kind of, what kind of sandwich shop? Subs? It's called Hogan's. 
Yeah, subs, really good custom subs. Like they had Hogan, wait, Tell me, please tell me it was called Hogan's Hoagies. Oh my god, they fucked that one up, didn't they? Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was just called Hogan's, but it's just <laughs> um Yeah, it, it, it was uh like all boards had meats and how so was that quality was shit. that like your first show? Uh I don't know if I'd call it a show. I mean, it was more of like it's me sitting in a corner and sort of Whispering at people, you know, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait, but it you probably, you was probably had like a mic, or were you walking around saying, "No, like, no, we had, I had a mic." It was just, it was just such a, it was such a new thing. Just the the, uh, you know, like a little, like a little baby bird. You know, hi, yeah, yeah. Can I play for you? Yeah, exactly. What was the response? Excuse me. Oh my gosh, the, su- the response was, what was, like, there, what was the response? surprisingly. Good. I think I've always had a lot of self belief, and I and I the reason that I made the decision to sell everything and like make that sacrifice um, was because I knew that there was something in me that I could develop and that was there. So, um, this the reaction from the audience was was hey like like they were all kind of surprised. I was like. Okay, cool. The first show I really did, like show show, where I played, I think it was a showcase, and I played three original songs. And where was that? I think it was somewhere in Carrollwood, like in the, like in the suburbs here in town. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I could hear a fucking pin drop, man. There was probably fifty people in the room, and it was dead silent. And I noticed it about halfway through the first song. I'm like, holy shit. I think that's when I got really, really hooked because I then I understood like if I if I work hard at this and I can I can have I can put a group of people in the palm of my hand, you know, and take them where I want to take them, mm-hmm. and that is an addicting thing. That's a, what, the what sense ge- of power. What genre it's were you a playing? positive thing and it's a beautiful thing. A sense of power that's really positive and good though too. So. What like what were you playing? Guitar, singing, just an acoustic guitar and a vocal. Okay, okay. you know and. Um, nice. It was stuff that I'd written, like maybe the first three or four songs I'd written. I just went and did it. Um, and that was when? That was t- 2006, maybe? 2006, wow. So you... 2006. So from the time that you drop out of art school to when you are like in a... You're performing on stage and you can hear a pin drop, that sounds like it was less than a year. Yeah, a couple and, years. And, and maybe, if that is years. not just the definition of finding your purpose, I don't know what is. Like you just find sure. something that you love doing, you work your ass off at it, and then you get some actual feedback from it. And yeah, I think I, that's what it was. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're. I was just gonna say, like, there's a difference between like getting money for what you're doing and getting like so just. I, I can't put words to it, but getting like the result that you want. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, money is comfortable and great, but when you are doing your art and it is being like received, received yeah, yeah. so well, mm-hmm. that is that's worth more than money. Uh, you you know, you spend money and then it disappears, and that feeling that you get stays with you forever, and it, you know, it's a snowball effect. Compound, yeah. it's compound compounding. So when when you were in that audience and you when you were in that show and you had that moment, did it just inspire you to 
make more and more and more and more and more art. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it was so, I I can remember being there. I was on such a high, you know, that it's like I don't know. It's it's maybe a little bit of like f- feeding the ego or I, I, pure, pure there's pure there's purity to it as well, you know, just I, I just I don't know if it's feeding It's also the humbling. Ego. It's I, also very humbling too. I mean, it's just like it hurts me to say that that's feeding the ego. Because I think that feeding the ego all comes from where you want to do something. It all comes mm-hmm. from, like, what it stems from. Sure. And if it stems from, like, I want to be liked, well, then that's literally the definition of ego. Mm-hmm. But if it stems from I was on the beach and I had a moment where I knew that I needed to do this and now I'm doing this and it's being received so well, that's not ego. That's fulfilling purpose. It was definitely a combination of the two. <laughs> I mean, don't I mean, get me I like, you know. I, like, I love when I make a great joke and it gets like, it, it does stroke my ego a bit. I mean, well, let me ask you: Do you think that it's that bad to like have your ego kind of stroked a little bit? Like, I, th- I think it's all right. No, I think it's fucking awesome yeah. when people tell you that you're good at what you do. It's great. It's a great feeling. I I think it's awesome if you understand. I I see what I do is I see all the holes in my game. You know, I don't know. I I just uh, mm-hmm. I think. I probably, you know, and and you should, you should, you should naturally be your harshest critic, of course. Um, so when people, you know, I, I think validation is is necessary and it's a healthy thing for a human being if you have, you know, your mind in check and you understand that what the, what people are appreciating is the work you've put in so far, you know. But only you know what you've what you've got to do to get better, you know, and that's that's why I like. I mean, I am more. I've been at it for a long time now, and I I feel like I'm more fired up about the like just creating, constructing songs than I ever have been, because as the landscape widens, as it, as it becomes more vast, and you have more tools in your belt, you know, it's like. No, you can walk any direction, and there's interesting things to look at. You know, it's it's the palette canvas. It all gets so much bigger, and um, you can take it take it so many more places that it's you know it's uh, it almost becomes insatiable in a way. Uh, it becomes more unattainable, but the I think the unattainability of it ups your drive. You know, it's like shit. You want to the thing you. You have the thing that was Seemingly small unattainable. and like, yes, it becomes less attainable because you realize, Jesus, man, the landscape is really vast. It's like you can take go anywhere with it, you know, and it keeps getting bigger, which is a good thing and a bad thing because you can you can chase all these different directions and but another you know there's a lot of aspects I think to being an artist or a professional artist that have nothing to do with art. You know, one of those things is having the discipline not to um, chase yourself down or in, in different directions to, to where you never get anywhere. You know, and to stay wait, focused. What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? Um, like, I, I love, I love jazz. I don't really play a lot of it. I can play it, kind of. Um, I love reggae. I love all these different things. Um, and I like to experiment with that stuff, but I know if I go do it too far in one direction down a rabbit hole and get away from the thing that's naturally me, um, then I won't ever get anything done. That said, 
I also believe strongly in. I I want to put out a reggae record because I I can play reggae music and in my version my my American white suburban version of it um, in a cool way I think and why not do it but yeah, you know well, to, uh, like life is short so kind of you kind of kind of think it's best to stay in your lane and let those influences come into that lane yeah. you know so it's we a we subtle way. we texted a little bit about a performance I'd love to mm-hmm. see some of your like quote unquote white reggae or right now if you want to do it. Boy, yeah, let's let's see it. Why not? All right, yeah, let's do it. Let's um, do it. <laughs> Open my big fucking mouth. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'll do it. This is exciting. That's I bet. I, I, funny, I did, that's funny. Did you think that you were going to be playing some of the from some of the reggae when you came in here? Nope, I did not. Yeah, honestly, neither did I. But I love the what this has come to. This is great. All right. Let me try and get this mic in a good spot here. Okay. What's the song called? Hmm. Let's see. Um, is there a gate on this? I don't know what that means. Um, like it has to hit a certain decibel for it to kick in. Um, maybe. I honestly don't know. This is called Vapor Trail. This is a song I wrote with, uh, my former band, Groves, and I took kind of turned it into something recently that I've been playing more, kind of an island version of it. All right, let's see here. Settle down, coming on in strong. Say the lights are bright, so the road is long. Feast your eyes on a handsome prize. Fortune in glass, houses in disguise. So hold your own for now, or you know it somehow turns a vapor trail. Oh, but then you go on, so did I, so did I, whoa, but whoa, so did I, yeah, 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 move along like a speeding bullet train, let the red eyes get the best of your right brain, yeah, yeah, Virgin of a young, better man. Born to manifest a master plan. To hold your own for now. Or you know it somehow. Turns away every trail. Oh, but then you go on to sort it out. Sort it out. 
Whoa, but whoa, yeah. Sold it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoa, sold it out. But whoa, but whoa. Sold it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sold it out. That was awesome. What's up? This is John Lennon, and I have one thing to tell you. The Lone Dog, it's a great company. Why would you not go for it? Now, everyone needs a home. Everyone needs a place to go and cuddle up with their loved ones. And how are you going to do that if you don't have the money? Well, my friend Simon, he owns a company called The Lone Dog, and he can help you out with this. Just follow The Lone Dog. And he'll help you out with an FHA loan. All right, got to get back to recording my new album. I mean, that's something I doubt I'll ever release. You know, well, if I'm gonna do reggae stuff, like reggae stuff, I'm gonna actually go in and do them proper. But that sounds like a Graham Radio exclusive. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Yeah, dude, thank you so much. That was awesome. Yeah, it sounds like white boy reggae. That's what it sounds like. It's not a. Hold on a second. It ain't traditional. Hold, wait, hold on a second. Uh, here, do you, do you need to put that away or something? Sure. Or, or if you want to leave it out, then we yeah, we, I'm sure we'll do another one later. That's not white boy reggae. White boy reggae is like revolution. You know what I mean? Like that's that. That's the like epitome of white boy reggae for sure. Yes, yes. It's They're very which is good, good live, by which the way. Which is oh yeah, I've seen them. I've seen them live a few times. They're great live. But yeah, that's not like what. That's not like. It, that's like. Okay, if I did not hear you say the phrase white boy reggae before you played that, I would say that is like, I would definitely throw the word reggae in there, but like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like I don't really want to judge it. I just think it was fucking awesome. Cool. Thank yeah. You. Like, it was just fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. It's a fun song to play. I mean, I, like the, when we re- originally you wrote it. You have a great it. voice, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's. It's taking time to develop, you know, like everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, yeah. Cool. I don't know. Have you ever performed that song live? Yeah, here and there. Nice. I do it more just to f- sometimes if I'm in the mood just to fill time. I have a longer set or something See, just to kick it in. Just that, for fun. That song sounds like a song that was super fun to write and make. Yeah. You know? like Yeah, you know, well, like, origin- the original composition is like a straight dance track. It's way faster and like... How does it go? Oh shit! You know, quick kind of a Whoa, wait, boots it, and cats dance did, dance beat. Did you make that quick boots and cats thing? Or no, my drummer, my former drummer, came up with it. Okay, well, it's I just converted it. I just made it. I was like, huh. I like the sentiment. Let's slow it down. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I like that one, dude. There's nothing like playing a fun song. See, there's only one song that I can really play on guitar, and that's uh, "Sister Golden Hair" by America. You know, you know that one. Mm-mm. Um, it's like uh, sing it. Tried my best. Wait, wait. <laughs> well, I tried to make it Sunday, but I got oh, so yeah. damn depressed yep. that I set my sights on Monday. And I got myself undressed. I ain't ready for the <laughs> altar, but I do agree there's times when a woman sure can be a friend of mine. Yep. It's a good it's fun. Um, that yeah, that is a good one. It's great melody, one, great melody. Yeah, actually uh, the whole reason that I even learned that one is cuz I Can heard you meet me in the middle? Is that what 
Is that a different? Can you meet me in the middle? A different song, isn't Can it? Can you meet me in the air? Will you love me just a little? Wait, I, 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 yeah, I think that's the same one. It's I, the same song? Yeah, well, I, I think it is. Is it the hook? I think it's the chorus think, of that no, song. No, th- it's, uh, okay, wait, hold on. Now I got, hold on. I ain't ready for the altar, but I do agree there's times that a woman sure can be a friend of mine. Well, I keep on thinking about you, sister, golden hair surprise, and I just can't live without you. Can't you see it in my eyes? <laughs> Will you meet me in the middle? Will you meet me in the air? Could you love me just a little? Just enough to know you care. Yeah, 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 that's the same one. Dude, you missed your calling. What? No. I'm, I'm, t- I'm 25. I don't think I've missed anything. No, you're right. You got time. Yeah, tell me. What's my calling? I was going to say covering classic rock songs. I don't know. I'm all for it. Do it. Yeah. Shit's good, man. You got a deep catalog, clearly, in your head. Thank you. Yeah? It's awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I love, you know, you, you ever heard of the Ava Brothers? Of course, yeah. Love the Ava Brothers. Yeah, man. They're phenomenal. So this, they have a really cool songwriting process. If you watch like any, any documentary stuff that Cracker Farm does for them, um, they just, they work, they're dynamic, especially Scott and Seth, of course. Oh, I mean, yeah. Together, but. Um, Actually, my, my buddy and I are talking about doing, um, uh, we're, we're talking about covering Talk on indolence. Talk on indolence. I think is what it's called by the Ava Brothers, which is the first song off of Four Thieves Gone. And dude, like when the Ava Brothers do that song, it's like insane. Cause uh, here, l- let's listen to the first little part of it. Uh, and YouTube, please don't copyright me out of this. <laughs> talk on, talk on indolence. Brothers. Well, I've been locking myself up in my house for some time now. Reading and writing and reading and reading and searching for reasons and missing the seasons. So y'all are just praying that someone just know the record or something the record will go. And dude, when they do that live, it's like on it's. That shit's insane live. Yeah, yeah, because they all like all four of them. Um, they they like. It's like world outside just goes, it goes, it goes, yeah. it goes, and they all. It, it's so cool. It, my buddy, uh, my my buddy Michael and I are talking about. Uh, he has a banjo and I have a I have a guitar, and we we were talking about. Um, like the, learning it and uh, actually coming to shuffle and doing it live at shuffle, which would be so fun. Do it. I mean, yeah. they're, they're yeah, they're they're fantastic, man. Oh, I love dude, them. They're, they're so crazy. Yeah, like they're they're the reason that I like. Um, well, I, I was about to say they're the reason that I like folk. They're really the only folk band that I like consistently listen to like all mm-hmm. the time. But dude, like they're so good, man. Yeah, it's just that growing up and you know like wherever they're from, Maggie Valley or. Lake Junaluska or whatever they're from that from the western western part of Carolinas there's something there's something about there that's my favorite part of the country man I love really? it yeah I went there a lot as a kid um you know stayed in Boone and Bryson City and you're Cashiers been, you, ever, and you ever been to Blowing Rock 
Yeah, man. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I've, I've stayed in Boone a few times. Blowing Rocks. You ever been to a uh, five-minute drive? You ever been to Blowing Rock or not Blowing Rock? Um, uh, uh, Woodlands, the barbecue, the barbecue spot. No, no, it's, it's been it's, years since I've been to Blowing Rock. But uh, it, 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 it's a barbecue spot in Blowing Rock that is, will just blow your socks off. Like it is so good, man. It's downtown. It's in. It's in town, I guess. Um, they have a little strip, Main Street. It yeah. is literally. It, it's in Blowing Rock, and Blowing Rock is a teeny tiny little spot. So like, it, there's a it, lot of nice. I mean, it's a, you know. It's nice. It's a very nice place. It's you know, there's a lot of very um, high quality cuisine. There is in a very small radius, dude. On Main Street, <laughs> it's, it's like it's, a, it's really really nice. Yeah, Banner Elks like that. I mean, a lot of places in North Carolina are just to me have such a good Southern class about them. Southern class is the yeah, word just for, not pre- for that. yeah, not pretentious. Nope. But there's a lot of people with a lot of dough that live cool lives and do cool shit, and that you know. Appreciate good things without being assholes there. I love it. That's my favorite part of the country. And something about the air. You know, there's really click. Yeah. The air's. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just love it there. I would. Well, I would. I l- would, let would me like to raise my family there. Honestly. The where. Uh, so I went to uh, Camp Blue Star in North Carolina, like in Hendersonville. Where was that? I know Hendersonville. Yeah. 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 So that's, I, that, cool. that's where I had like my moment with like the Beatles and stuff. That's and cool. Yeah, man. Like, dude, blow or um. Hendersonville, Blowing Rock, Boone, the, those areas hold a very special place in my heart. Yeah, there's something different about the energy there. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, the mountain. I like the, you know, you go out west and the mountains are, they dwarf you. So there's like a, there's a sense of awe that you don't get in the Carolinas, you know, with the, in terms of the scope and scale of things. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't know, man. There's just a vibe there that I love and that I dig. I just like that. And the Abbots are, you know, they're like farm boys. You're not really farm boys, but they're, you know they're they're good old boys. They cut they cut their own firewood. You know, oh, still yeah yeah. You know they're yes. not buying bundles. So, I love that shit, man. I I would love to raise my my kids there. And where did that jack go? I, I just gotta I gotta make more money. I gotta wait for my industry to come back and start making a good living again. Well, dude, I, I feel like when it comes to making money in the music industry, it's about keeping up with trends. Like like if we're sure. uh, like if we're strictly talking about making money. Like and we're not talking about like raw expressionism and cons- and con- being able to consume things like just being able to keep up with trends and being able to like sell things. I will like, respectfully disagree. Please, yeah, go ahead. Um, there are many, many artists that are not that don't have a lot of um, I won't say commercial viability, but um, how about like let me think of an example. Tedeschi Trucks. Okay. You know who that is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Derek, Derek, Derek Trucks, yeah. Or and his wife, right? Like, you go down, you know, you, you ask the average 20-year-old kid who Derek Trucks is, and they don't know. Right. And they do it, you know, they'll do a tour and $85 tickets, selling out theaters, 2,000-seat theaters. You know, they're making a few million bucks a year doing it. Probably taking home a half million or so after, after everybody's cut. They're making a fucking fortune. Well, well, hold and then, on. And, well, well, hold on a and second. they're not, you know. I think that that's. I mean, I don't know how they. That's, got a, that's one example. Well, I mean, well hold on, but I, I don't know if that's uh, that's that accurate of an example here, because yeah. like, in okay, here let me refine what I meant by sticking with trends. Okay. You have to stick with trends to find your audience, and then once you find your audience, that's when they'll be loyal as fuck. What like, you, I'm, I'm not following. All right, so when Tedeschi Trucks Band got famous, 
I don't know how they got famous. I don't know when they got famous. But I know that now they have super loyal fans. When they got famous, and I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass here. I don't know. But I am assuming that when they got famous, they probably had a lot of, like, maybe collaborations with super poppin' artists. Like, like may- maybe they, like, did something awesome that, like, really took them to, like, the forefront of music. I mean, he's kind of a unique case because he was, he was playing guitar with the Allman Brothers when he was 12. That's insane. He's, I, I did not know He's that. not, I mean... But, but their fame, but, their fame well, came that, from that. That's kind of what I'm talking about here. Like, being in the game for a long time. Well, that's kind of what I'm talking about here. Like playing in the Almond Brothers went like that is a trendy thing. Like that's a super mega famous band. Like maybe like sticking with the trends is like if you can get a spot on a John Mayer album. You know what I mean? Like a new thing that's pop, that's coming out. Like if when you I can, hear trend, I hear something. I hear like something that's fleeting. Okay. You know. Well, the Allman Brothers live is not no longer a thing. Like th- that is also it's true. You know it's what I mean? It's true. Yeah. But the music they made is has it's timeless. a timeless element yes. to it. Oh, dude, Blue Sky so, off of E to Peach. Yeah, I mean, I, I can listen to that song all day long. All that shit's just I can do that on guitar. Timelessness to me is is like that's the goal. Blue Sky's fun. Blue Sky's fun as shit to play. You can play that one. I can play the beginning of it. I can't play, and I know it's just like <laughs> it's like E or is it E A or is it A D? I don't know. Not sure. I don't. I, I don't know. Either. I played along to it before, though. I have the record, you know, the record on or whatever. That's really cool. Too. Um, I need like a little stirry thing to mix up with. But yeah, like I feel like when it comes to um, like getting big in the music industry, it's just about like. You have to find your loyal fans. You have to find your... And this is the same thing for podcasting. It's just like finding your loyal fans, and then it, the best way to do it is just word of mouth. You know what I mean? Getting big and making money are different things because there's a lot of artists that are that have gotten big, and their model wasn't sustainable, and all they did was make enough money to pay the record label back for, the, for their advance. Mm-hmm. You know? And that just comes to, like... I feel like you gotta have people. You gotta have a good, like good people on your team. You know what I mean? Like that's where having absolutely. A good, that's why, like, dude, honestly, man, like, that's why I want it to like become an like, dude, as an attorney, it's like, I fucking love music. I fucking love and respect artists. And I mean, like, I'll never truly know what it's like to be like an original writer artist thing unless I start doing it. But like, I don't really see myself necessarily doing that, um, dude. Like. I want to fucking help artists be awesome and get big and in like the right way. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Like that shit's super important. And I think that when it comes to like an artist getting fucked by their record label, I think that that's because like they just didn't have the right team around them, man. <coughs> yeah, like dude, it, it's not an artist's job to be good. And Mike Mass they sh- and I, they sh- I, I, what? What, I, what you're about to say, I, I will respectfully disagree with as well. I don't know what you're about to say. Say what you're, say what okay. you're gonna say. I think what what I was gonna say is, I don't think that it should be an artist's job to like focus super heavily on the business. I think that it should be an artist's job to make sure that the people around the artist, around him or her, are in it for the same reasons as that artist. Mm-hmm. Is that what that was? That what yeah, was yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on your personality. I like, I'm a competitive person. That's good. By nature, you That's know, good. I played sports all my life and I just, I'm very competitive. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I think in, when it comes to business and the business end of it, I think uh, it's exciting. It's always exciting to me to figure out how, it's a, it's a weird thing because it's like, 
if you the more the more niche you are the 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 harder you have to work to reach large numbers of people right um so that goes back to that kind of straddling the line between understanding familiarity and and melodies and how to apply them to a song that you feel is unique um I don't know. I, I just it's it's a tricky thing because I know a lot of guys that have been signed to crazy on the spot, crazy deals. Not a lot, but I've I have people that I know personally that. Wait, when you say crazy, do you mean uh, benef- beneficial to the artist? Crazy, like mass, like massive amounts of money, okay. like seven figures type shit, okay. and immediate spots on world tours with Jack White and other major artists, right. That happens. It does happen. People, the labels do it all the time. They green light somebody. They'll throw a million or two at them. And more often than not, they are plugging, they're, they're timing the market and they're plugging in an artist that they think can fill that hole for that amount of time. And most often, the artist doesn't know it. You know, they think that this is their life's work. And they don't realize that they're being used in that way. If you have a good team around you, you have people looking out for your best interests who are a little more savvy in those things, then they can come to you and say, hey man, this is what's really happening. Let's rework this deal or whatever. Me personally, I just, I pride myself on having that sa- on having that savvy because I want to be able to, I want to, I know, first of all, I know my value as an artist. I know what I'm capable of creatively. Um, and I know where what I know I understand the value of it in in the marketplace. I also understand the value of it to me personally, and what I'm willing to sacrifice and what I'm not willing to sacrifice. So for that, um, I feel like I've developed a pretty pretty keen sense of fairness in terms of deal making, and a lot of artists don't have that. I don't think they have the, I don't think they have the moxie. I don't think they have, there's a, whatever the ingredient is that makes an artist uh, confident enough to, to turn down serious money, knowing that it's not, it's, it's not a path to sustainability for them. You know, um, if you can recognize that the deal that's presented to you is designed to be me- a meteoric rise and fall, you know, how could it be a, a, a fall, though? I mean, God, how many artists come out with, you know, a nice single that gets serious airplay and and then fade away? Like 99% of them. Well, is that on the artist, though? Because I would imagine that, like, let's say that you have one single and it's awesome. Based on that single, I mean, people are going to be obsessed. If you show a million people a song, at least fucking... I don't know, 50,000 of them are really, really, really going to like it, like at least or something. Yeah. And then those 50,000 people will probably check out your other stuff, and then it's kind of on you to make sure that that other stuff is solid. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Certainly. You know, of that 50,000, though, I mean, can you quantify what percentage of that 50,000 um, is sort of doing a drive-by? I mean, are they are they... Why are they into it? Does it really does it really hit them in a way that's gonna? Um, 
solidify them as part of your core maybe core fan base maybe that depends on the genre it absolutely does yeah if it's you know some teeny bopper shit that you're riding out to in a car they're the odds are it sounds like something it's (laughs) the next the thing that's next is sort of a a minor adjustment evolution to the thing they just heard and so they go on to the next or whatever i don't know that's judgmental what was the phrase Teeny bopper. Teeny bopper. Okay, I think yeah, I, just I, like I think I heard that phrase in like a music class. That I shit, formulate pop that you know is I I can't like I can't tell. I can because I listen because I like pay attention to it, but I can't really tell. You know, there's many country stars out there, male country stars. I cannot tell the difference between almost all of their production. I mean, pop country is just so formulaic. Oh yeah, pop, pop country. Have you heard of Coulter Wall? I have heard Coulter Wall. I haven't. Heard, I have not heard the music though, but I, I know the name. Okay. Uh, here, you know what? Let me. Actually, I'm gonna piss my pants. Let me let me play a quick Coulter Wall for it, mm-hmm. song for you, and then I'm I'm gonna be right back. There's a couple guys in the industry that are keeping it real. Stapleton is, but it's anything Dave Cobb touches is fucking gold. <laughs> There's that. So. Outlaw shit. Super young too. Johnny Cash vibes, right? Wait, I, I, I'm gonna look up how old he is because I'm, I'm pretty sure he's like in, incredibly young. Coulter, Coulter Wall. He's can, he's a Canadian singer. He is Coulter Wall age. He's 25 years old. That's crazy that his Dude. voice sounds like that at 25. Yeah, right. Dude. That's just like 
That's why I guess Johnny Cash did too, though. It's a certain tone. Um, like, <laughs> um, like I was saying, anything Dave Dave Cobb touches seems to turn to gold. He's, he's a great producer, and um, he plays plays in Stapleton's band too. Plays acoustic. Um, do you know who Dave Cobb is? He I did like Jason Ells. He, he did. Um, Jason Isbell's records, Chris Stapleton's records. What did you say his name was? Uh, Dave Cobb. But he just is crushing. He's absolutely crushing it. He's doing Arrival Sons. I played with this group back in the day. I didn't play with them. I played a, on a bill with them. Um, band called Rival Sons out of California, Los Angeles. You like Sturgill They're Simpson? Bad as fuck. Yeah, and so Sturgill's the other one that he worked with on. He did Meta Modern Sounds and, um, Sturgill's to me, he's the baddest dude out there. Only I, I just, I love Merle Haggard, and Waylon, and Sturgill's kind of a hybrid of those two, with a psychedelic twist. Meta Modern Sounds and country music. I mean, it's probably the top five records in the last twenty years. Country music records, I think. What is it? What is it? It's called Meta Modern Sounds and Country Music. It's by. It's by Sturgill. It's by Sturgill. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. It's one that had turtles all the way down on it. And okay, I, I haven't gotten super into Sturgill Simpson. I just know that. Like, I saw his name. I recognized him. Meta Modern Sounds and Country Music. <laughs> yeah, it's really. Oh, I actually have out. heard this. I, I went through this. I went through this once at the gym. I think Joe Rogan was talking about it. Yeah, him and Sturgill are boys, and also, like. It's really, I mean, it's about kind of about DMT and psychedelics. That's cool. A lot of the record is not a lot of the record. Turtles all the way down is for sure. Um, I, I yeah, feel, I, it's do, awesome. Do you think that like uh, like hallucinogenics are important to like um, do in order to like get, be more in touch with yourself and then uh, and then like therefore get better at music? I mean, I think there's a lot of not a lot, but there's a handful of paths or whatever that you can take to get that part of your brain open. Yeah. You know? uh, psychedelics certainly expedites it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I, I think they're just a uh, really v- vital, important part of the human experience, honestly. They're there for us to, it's medicine, it's a tool, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's designed to crush your ego and, um, you know, shit. I've enjoyed psychedelics for years, and I still, you know, I still struggle with my ego and impatience and all the things that it's supposed to remedy. But I wonder where I, how, how bad off I'd be if I didn't have those awakenings. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, Bonnaroo. I think we talked about that. Yeah, we talked about it. You know, just yeah you performed sitting there you went to the bar it was the last <laughs> leg of your tour it was the last show right yeah I was playing with Polly Enzo um last yeah last show we played we got there on a Friday night so we had the rest of the weekend off played Friday at 9 o'clock and one of the tents and then uh what was your uh tent situation at your campsite like did you have like a nice tent air mattress or or did you kind of roll in luxury no, they had it set up for us. It was nice. Um, I don't really recall. I think we had. This was Bonnaroo. Really uh, this was Bonnaroo 2016, right? It's just, it's just 2016. Yeah. I wonder, like, how, like, if we ever like crossed paths or something. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe. 
the grounds aren't that big. I mean, they are, but they're, they're not pretty like, big. They're not like compared to a lot of certain festivals, man. They just they're so spread out. Really, like, a lot of those. Like what I feel like. Mm, let me think. Water is a pretty big festival. In terms of the area of this, is it? Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like maybe I was just kind of isolating myself in in, <laughs> in, in uh-huh. the uh, in the woods. And what's the coolest festival you've ever played? Like, what was your best experience at a festival? I mean, Bonnaroo's fucking awesome. Bonnaroo is Bonnaroo's fuck. Bonnaroo is fucking awesome. For the listeners, really, once COVID <laughs> ends, <laughs> hopefully that happens, go to Bonnaroo. It is so awesome. Like, go. I don't care if you go by yourself. Just go and have fun. By the way, at a, like, so I've only been to festivals as like a consumer of the festival. Like, mm-hmm. I've never like worked at one. I've never played at one. My favorite thing to do at a festival, and it pisses all of the people who I'm with off, but I literally don't care. Is just go off on my own, like of course. Oh my god, it's the best, dude! I just like literally just fill my bag up with like alc with with like a bunch of beers, and I'm just all day long just like just like oh wait, and just like <laughs> hey, how you doing, man? Blah, blah blah. Yeah, I'm from here. This and that. Oh, you like this person? Who are you going with? Oh, you want to go to that show with me? Let's go. Let's ride. All right, peace. See you later. Like. Then you go back to the campsite. Oh my God! You'll never believe that I ate nachos with the uh, backstage with the people who make nachos or whatever. Like, dude, <laughs> it's like you go there and you just meet crazy people and just have a good ass time. And yeah, and like, you don't you don't want to be you don't want to adhere to any sort of agenda when you're in a group. It's kind of tough to, you know. Oh my God! It's, I know. Those, dude, it's those festivals are set up. They're set up and they're scheduled so that you can wander around and discover new things. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it's for. Yeah, like, when I'm at a festival, okay, I understand if you go to a festival with a group, like, yeah, like, you want to stay, like, with your, like, that's cool, like, like, a lot of people go to festivals to hang out with their friends, which is dope, but it's like, if those friends are people who, like, you kind of already hang out with all the time, then it's like, just go do shit on your own. Like, go and do shit on your own, you know what I mean? Sure. And it's not like you're not going to see them for the whole festival, you know what I mean? Like... Oh my god, Bonnaroo 2016. I'm actually consider. <laughs> I, I, I'm amongst the group who I went with. They they considered me to be the um or I like according to them, I am the Bonnaroo 2016 MVP because we were camping a mile and a half away, which sucked. Oh it was terrible. It was the furthest that I've ever camped away at a festival. And um, did you have, did you have to walk it? Yeah. Oh god, because they didn't brutal. have those like in uh, Bonnaroo 2014. And 15, there were these, excuse me, golf carts that yeah, were like little bit mini shuttles. It was great, yeah. but not at this one. So yeah, yeah, we parked. I don't know, man. We so camped. We camped in like that's an so artist fun. camping backstage. See, that's cool. And you, you probably had access to everything, just like everything. Oh uh, yeah, three square meals, like open bar, great food, open bar. Yeah, nice. It was at, fun. At an open <laughs> bar, do you still tip your bartender? I tip him. I tip him like. More, you know, you're supposed to, you should tip them, probably tip them more. Nice, nice. I mean, if the value of the drink is ten dollars, you know, re- retail, and it's open bar, you should give them five bucks. Yeah, give them five bucks. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. You know, you um, so I'm currently living in an Airbnb. Like I moved, I, I had to get out of Tampa, but got an Airbnb, three month Airbnb. Nice. So I'm in an Airbnb. I don't have access to a washer and dryer, so I go to a laundromat. That's fun. It's it, you it's, meet some interesting people. Oh my god! Oh, dude, I'll, off mic, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you a few things. Yeah, um, but dude, 
Uh, I didn't know this, but laundromats offer a service where you just kind of drop off your clothes and they just like wash them, wash and them dry them, and fold them. Yeah. yeah. And um, I didn't know, but like if you tip, like, you, like you're supposed to tip. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would. Yeah. Yeah. It's news like, to me. Yeah, I would think so. Dude, yeah. You're supposed to tip. And I, I was talking to the laundry, the, the laundromat <laughs> lady, and who's really cute, by the way. Really, really cute laundromat lady. Um, I was talking to her and she was like, yeah, uh, a lot of people don't know that. And I didn't know that you were, that, that people are supposed to tip the laundromat lady. And she was like folding these clothes, like really sloppily. And she was like, yeah, I know that these people don't tip. So I'm just going to like kind of throw them <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah. So I walked in there today and, um, it was a different laundromat lady and, <laughs> and, um, the, I had a lot of, uh, my laundry was pretty heavy and it was sort of wet. So it kind of weighed a little more, which is kind of my bad whatever. And it was like 25 bucks. It was, it's like a dollar per pound. I had 25 pounds of laundry. It was yeah. kind of a lot. And I gave 30 bucks and I, her name was like Renee. And I was like, here you go, Renee. And keep the, here's 30, keep the 30. Yeah. And she's, and I, she didn't really acknowledge it at first. And I was like, I literally said, Hey, I recently heard that you're supposed to tip your laundromat lady, so keep the thirty. And she was like, "Oh, okay, I got you. Like, I got you." <laughs> and dude, I, she she texted me like like four or five hours later, like, "Hey, your laundry's done." You exchanged and it from. Oh, okay. <laughs> you made it. That was nah. Like she needed to hit me yeah, up about when my laundry was. Most done. people just go to the bar downtown, but you're, you're hitting up the laundromat. That's good. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I um <laughs> I. Oh my god, that's so funny. Um, I she texted me, and she's like, "Hey, your laundry's done." I'm like, "Sweet." I go. She she needed my number. I feel like I need to defend myself here. No. She needed. She was like, "I need to text you when your laundry's done." Like how? Like how? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was either my number or her. Or she my email. I don't carrier know. pigeon. Yeah, exactly. With, with a pair of socks. Ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> just multiple carrier pigeons <laughs> with like with uh, just holding hangers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. So, yeah, she texted me, hey, your laundry's done. I came through, and, bro, like, perfectly folded, like, so good. Like, she had been, she, she's she been working at that laundromat for 13 years. We kind of got into a conversation. She's been working at that laundromat for 13 years, which is a long time to work at a laundromat. And, dude, she has some folding skills. Oh, and, sure. dude, my laundry is folded. So, <laughs> dude, I think that when I have, like, like my own place with a laundry machine, I'm still just going to pay her to We're, do my laundry. Man, with my girl and our kids, it's like, it is just like piles, multiple piles gr- grow quickly. It's nuts, dude. I'm. It's not a bad idea to to do that, just because yeah, it's it's so overwhelming it. to 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 launder five people's clothes. It's wild, man. Um. Anyways, that's a good. That's not a bad idea. Imagine if you've been folding clothes for how long? Fifteen years. How long have I been folding no, clothes? She, Renee. Uh, Renee, she's been working at that uh, laundromat for 13 years. Cool. When are you going to meet her parents? Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, nah, anyways, she, that's good, nah, though. She nah, appreci- nah, nah. I mean, She's out of my league. She, appreci- <laughs> <laughs> she appreciated the, uh, the consideration. I mean, if you're in a service industry like that, you know, I feel like waiters probably do the same thing. If they have regulars that are cheap, you know. They're not getting as good a service. And Dude, I, so <laughs> where I live right now, have you ever heard of Bill Maher Station? It's a, uh, it's like a dive bar. Yep. Yep. Dude. Okay. This is, okay. I don't know the thing, but whatever. 
Dude, like, I've gone in there a few times literally just to get wings. And, dude, the people watching there is literally incredible. Like, I saw a full-on <laughs> fight break out between these two, like, 40-year-old women who were both, like, heavy set. And, oh, my God, they were... They had, like, they both had men defending both of them. So then the men kind of, like, hey, hey, blah, blah, blah. No fists were thrown. No fists were thrown, but that's, they were, like... That's Trampa for you, dog. Dude, Trampa. Yeah, mm. there you go. Yeah. Dude, yeah, it was so <laughs> ridiculous. And, like, they like, one, like this one lady, Lori... St- like they were, everyone was like, "Lori, stop! Lori, Lori, yeah. stop! Lori is definitely in her like late forties, yeah. early fifties. <laughs> like, weigh is at least 30, 40 pounds overweight. And like, Lori, what's wrong with you? So Lori leaves, and like the, this like really really heavy set black dude walks out after her, and I guess calms her down or something. And oh, that's sweet. Yeah, but then like Lori walks back in, and then like the heavy set black dude walks back in. Like, where's Lori? What's going on? Like, dude, the P- and I was just it's eating fucking wings. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good show, dude. Oh my god, man! I ordered a beer. Like, I literally ordered a Blue Moon with an orange peel. Uh, Jerry Springer at the bar. Yeah. So me as, and then me and Renee. You know, we went home. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I um, mean, hey, hey, man, hey, you're hey. new to you're new to town. I'm no good. one, no one can blame you. Exact, dude. It's yeah. it's really nice being so anonymous. Yeah. Like, oh, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. I didn't think about that. That, that yeah. would be nice to like, kinda, dude. I, you can be, I, like, you can re, you can be who you, whoever you want to invent. Obviously, you seem dude. like you're yourself, which is good. But thank you. You you can be. I think the, the the coolest thing about moving to a new place would be, and I've done it a few times, is that you can be the best. You can start with the best version of yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dude, you know? I, I've never gone by Graham. My whole life, I've always gone by Levi. But, like, moving out here, I knew that, like, I'm podcasting, I'm, like, being an attorney, I'm DJing, and, and it's, like, Graham is just more suitable because it, it just means a lot more to me than Levi. You know Graham, I mean? Graham's a little warmer off the tongue, too. Yeah, it also rhymes with a lot of things. Yeah, like, yeah, sometimes sure. I walk around OMC, with, One Music Collective, with a cam, with, like, a camcorder. Graham just cam. to like, yeah, yeah, the Graham cam. Yeah. yeah. And that, well, Did I tell you about Graham Jams? No. Um, yeah, so Graham Jams is actually a playlist. You're into canning? Huh? Oh, uh, wait, huh? Can- oh, wait, wait, what? What do you mean? Like, I can, like Graham can? Yeah, you, you said... I could. No, I said Graham said, Jam. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a jelly jelly jam joke. Yeah. So you're into canning. Um, People I, can I could can do, things. I could do Graham... Oh my God! Here's the, wait. He, hold on a second. Here's some marketing. Okay, so let me hold on. <laughs> Graham Jams. My buddy Nick. He started a playlist called Graham Jams because like I'll sometimes I have like a little group chat. Sometimes I'll send music into it, and whenever I send music into it, he throws it into his playlist called J- Graham Jams. Now what I'm gonna start doing for the podcast listeners, starting a new podcast, literally just Graham Jams, where I just like like artists who perform. I. I um, extract the uh, video and audio mm-hmm. from it, or or whatever, and I'll put that into that RSS feed, like Graham, like Graham Jams, cool. and like I'll yeah. keep I'll, obviously in the long form podcast, I'll keep it in. But yeah, and dude, it would be great to sell like jelly, like as like merch for a Graham Jam. You know dude, what I mean, dude? Oh my god, that's great. Have the artists pick the flavor. You know? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. If you were if uh if you were gonna sell any type, wh- what jelly are you? Oh man, um, I'd be. How, how do you, can it? What what can you turn into jelly? Does it have to be f- a fig, raspberry, a fruit, blackberry, or a, blackberry? You I did love say blackberry. Jam. You did say blackberry. Um, I like kumquats. I like the word 
come quiet. Uh, <laughs> it just feels moist. <laughs> I like the word come quiet. That's, um, that's the fucking. I, I think I just found the promo for the cell episode. Uh, <laughs> I like right. the word come quiet. Blackberry, I, yeah, keep it keep it simple. Blackberry, that's Blackberry actually incredible. Jam. Yeah, no, uh, canning is like definitely. I guess probably a. I don't. I shouldn't say a southern thing. That I don't. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm sure it's done everywhere, all over the world. But I just the only people I've ever known that are, that, that that like can their own or pickle their own stuff are like southern folk moms that i grew up with that i grew up with you know i, I have one of my friends who's actually a big friend of the podcast she's been on twice this girl lauren weiss she uh recently started pickling and she loves it <laughs> like it's pickling so, a shit, it's dude. a funny thing like it's it's great you can do it we got had this uh <clears throat> he's four now but one of my kids i think he was probably two and he was kind of his speech was getting better and like he was starting to pull phrases together and wait hold up a quick tangent i've heard that like having a kid is like having a dog that's that slowly learns how to talk yeah yeah except dogs don't throw tantrums that's true so kids don't bark they just cry but they both shit on the floor (laughs) (laughs) Um, but he was he was saying um what was it um we had these metal straws at my girlfriend's place we had moved in together at the time this is before i impregnated her (laughs) nice sex nice (laughs) and uh i got him we had these metal straws and i said st pete or pinellas county where st petersburg is you know, is based, did a, it did away with plastic straws, which is great. Um, so we had these metal straws that we were kind of using, washing, and I, and I had him say, save the turtles, because he, he really liked turtles, he said, save the turtles. And then I had these, this jar of Wickles pickles. <laughs> I, don't know if you, I don't know if you know what Wickles are. Wickles pickles. But they're delicious pickles, and I said, uh, he said, Say Wickles pickles yummy. He says, "Wickle pickle nummy," and I sent it to him, and they sent me all kinds of gear and swag and like. Wickles pickles sent you swag. Two hundred dollars worth of gift certificates to, for Wick, for their products. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, no. And uh, I sent the video to him, and they loved it. And they're like, "This isn't adorable." They re- they posted it and everything. It's cool. He, anyways, we got a shitload of pickles. pickle products, and like I was throwing. I was testing out everything. I was throwing all kinds of random shit and like just seeing what would pickle and taste good and for like <laughs> a week and a half. What what's what's good? After to I ate the pickles and the pickle juice, you know, we use the pickle juice. Um okra. Okra's good. Um onions. I don't know, it's a couple of years ago. I just went on a kick for about a week. But yeah, man, it's mostly old country ladies that I've known that to do the pickling or canning thing. I don't even that know. That doomsday like, preppers, I guess. How do, I mean, this might be a silly question. How, how do you pickle something? What are you looking for? Some ginger ale? There you go. Oh, you want the I'm not sure what the... I don't really understand. I assume it's some sort of like acidic... Acidic breakdown thing. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, though. So, I'm not really sure. Um, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I just know it tastes good. 
Yeah, do a little bit more because I have to uh, operate a motor vehicle at some point. Yeehaw. And I want to respect myself. Yes. And the other driver. How big is that bottle of Jack Daniels, though? It's a, it's a big-ass bottle. It's unnecessary for tonight, but I think it's very necessary for no, the next few weeks. No, let's kill it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll text the lady till I ain't coming home for a week. We'll end up in Tijuana, motherfucker. Oh, my God. Yeah. Let's go to Vegas. Nope. <laughs> Have you been to Vegas? <laughs> yeah. I haven't. Oh, it's great. Vegas is wild. It's Vegas is one of those places where you can you can create any experience that you want to create. If you want to yeah. go see shows, they have some of the best productions in the world, of course. You want to spend all your money playing Jack Blackjack and drinking for free, you can do that too. Which experience did you choose? I've never really seen a great show out there. Um, I've only kind of seen the sights. I played poker there a couple times. Oh, you like playing poker? Texas Hold'em? I enjoy it. I don't really do it often, but I definitely love doing it. I love, love, love to play poker. It's fun as hell. Dude, we should get some guys together and play poker. I love playing poker. Oh, I'm down. I'm down. It's so fun. It is fun. and It's like a a nice, like... Fucking $20 yeah, buy-in. Yeah, exactly. $20 whatever. buy-in, $50 buy-in, or whatever. It's yeah. Th- th- something that's not going to break the bank. Exactly. Dude, that's so fun, man. But you get six guys or eight guys, you can, you know, 400 to the winner and 100 bucks to the to, to P2. You're yes. good. It's fun. I just like the, uh, I like the mind fuck. I like to, I just want to see how good I can get, am in the moment at playing with someone's brain, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's fun. I raise you <laughs> all in. <laughs> See, I'm reckless as shit that that's the problem. Is that like... Quit, wait, quick. With let, me, Vegas. let me write that down so I remember it. <laughs> yeah. with or the, wait, are you fucking with me right now? No, yeah, is this no. is this gameplay? Yeah. Hold on a second. It starts from the beginning, doesn't it? Yeah. You got you to gotta get in. We've actually been with, playing poker since I watched your uh, yeah. <laughs> music video with Mike Mass. Nice. No, I, uh, I'm pretty loose on it with, with my hands. I bluff a lot, you know, or do I? Um... Yo, you know who you know who would be terrifying to play poker with? Uh, Steve the Magician, with like all the shuffling and shit. He told he said last night he's like, if yeah. anybody ever does this, they're cheating. Yeah. He's like, I only know that because I cheat all the time, but I let you know beforehand, like it justifies it. I would so. actually love to like set up a poker game, like me, you, Steve. You think Mike Mass knows how to play poker? I guarantee you, Mike knows how to play poker. If he doesn't, he'll learn quick. Should we, should, you want to call him and see if he knows how to play? Let's see. Let's just see if he answers. Fuck it. I'll call him. He won't. Yeah, I don't. Wait, wait, no, no. I'll, I'll call him because right. like, I'm connected. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Colder wall. I'm sure he knows how to play. It's okay. It's 10 p.m. and they're in New York City. <laughs> oh, that's right. Let's just see if he answers. There's no way he's gonna answer. No. But that would be epic. He's got to know how to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the smartest motherfuckers I've ever met. He is so smart, man. He's extremely well read. Yeah, he, he yep. knows his history. Just uh, he very well. Hey. Mike, Mike, Mike Mass. Yeah. Yo, you're you're on the podcast with me and JT. Who's me? Graham, save my number, goddamn it. <laughs> What's up, Graham? JT Brown, what up, JT? Hey, Mike. Hey. Chilling and chilling. How are y'all? So uh, we have a question for you. Yes. All right. Do you know how to play Texas Hold'em poker? Yes. Yes. Fucking. Yeah. Okay, cool. We're going to set up a poker game and we're going to play some poker. 
I'm in. I'm probably gonna lose, but I will enjoy it. All right, cool. <laughs> you're in New You're in New York City right now, right? No, I leave uh, tomorrow morning. I'm getting ready to leave right now. Oh shit! Well, dude, have fun in New York. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I hope y'all are having a good podcast. Oh, we're having some fun. <laughs> All right. I'm everything. Let me know. See you, Mike. Love you, buddy. Peace out, bro. That was cool. He's so awesome. Oh, he's great, man. He would, dude. You got to watch the highlights that I posted with him. It was. I watched a couple today. So fun. Oh, which ones did you watch? Uh, they were talking about him and Psych were talking about the history of hip hop, like hip hop culture. Yeah, hip hop culture. He made some reference to like that's like playing in the NBA and not. No, and not Kobe, Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Which oh my true. god! Which the, like, uh, Psych Montana was like, if you don't know that the New York City blackout was the <laughs> most important part, yeah. uh, or it, it was something about hip hop culture. If you don't know who Cool Herc is, who I honestly don't know who Curl, Cool. Listen, I don't know who Cool Herc is, but I also don't claim to like be a part of hip hop culture. You know what I mean? But like, uh, eighteen twenty Cedric Avenue. Uh, I don't know. Like. It's amazing. It's like Montana's a cool dude. He is. They both have, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I assume Psych does. Mike's got just such a crazy, crazy amount of uh, historical knowledge, especially with the black experience, you know. I learned a lot with this this track with Blood in the Water. Yeah, his whole verse is like. Talking to him just. His his whole verse is very like. Chains and like this and that, and I get I get picked up for smoking herb and things like that. Like, yeah, it's it's very like um, like like like, and I obviously fully support this. It's it's very like um, it shows like the struggle of black people. You know what I mean? Like that's that's sort of like the uh, what exactly is blood on the water though? I don't. I think I came up with the hook. Uh, Blood on the water. Yeah, it's, there's, sorry, I'm there's, butchering it. So blood, blood in the water, going and choke it down, down for your father, because what goes around comes back around. Um, there you go. It's sort of a loose commentary on cycles of oppression or whatever. Um, <laughs> Mike's verses are just—they're insane. But just being around, incredibly being, written, incredibly. Yeah, written. just super layered and. It's it's insane, and he wrote all of it in about an hour. Wow! In the studio while what? we were tra- yeah while we were tracking guitar and drums, um, and he Damn. did it. It did it, and I think he did it in two takes. I think his second. I think his second take was just coverage. I think we ended up keeping his first take or the bulk of his first take. Wow! He's a fucking maniac. It's weird because like, you know, I, I have this respect. We respect each other as peers. We respect each other's skill sets and whatnot. So, but I, I'm I'm close to the situation. But I, I, I it's nice because I, I can step back sometimes. I'm like, damn man, I'm lucky because I get to work with some bad motherfuckers, bro. This dude is, he's a real deal, and everybody knows it. But I mean, he really, really is. <laughs> it's crazy. He's very into the culture, which I like, very I much have so. Nothing but respect for. Like, dude, on the podcast. There's a ton of arguing between uh, Mike Mass and I, and when I was editing, obviously, like I re-listened to the entire thing, and as I'm listening to it, I'm like, wow, he's actually making amazing points here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's a very, very smart dude, and yeah. like Wave Theory is like cool. Like, yeah, Wave it's Theory awesome, is incredibly man. cool. It's really cool. Um, 
I just I learned a lot about the black experience, things that I could never begin to imagine. It's real. Are that are part of their daily life, you know. It's uh, you hear people say that they've got it better than they ever have, and it's just certain ways that's true. But in uh, I think in uh, just because in bigger ways they like they just re, they sort of re uh, they repackage. You know, they repackage what the oppressive elements of their experience looks like. That's all they're doing. You know, they they do it with inadequate food choice. Wait, wait, I'm confused on what you're I saying. Mean, I'm, I'm confused. I'm confused. Um, slavery was a form of oppression. You know, right, right. Yeah, um, of mean, of course. Mass incarceration, bad education, um, inadequate food choices, uh, and diet options um there's a lot like it's just it's uh there's a lot to unpack it's a different thread from the same cloth man it's they're just fucking re, re, they're packaging it in a different way who's um, they who's they mm, whoever is like the oppressors you're saying eh, elite government mm-hmm. i don't know whoever's doing it right. it's clearly happening it's really i mean it's 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 right there in front of our eyes you know yeah, man, it's fucked up. People don't want to take responsibility for it. They don't want to be associated with it. Um, and so they talk about all these different ways that you know things are better for the for. How uh, was Tampa during the uh, during the Black Lives Matter uh, movement? Uh, like uh, during like what was it May ish? Uh, how, how how intense did it get in Tampa? It got gnarly as shit. I mean, it, yeah. there. Yeah, a few. Th- I mean, I got in a lot of places. It did, obviously. Um, did anyone like die? I don't. Th- I'm not sure. I don't think anybody died, but I know there was a lot of like really, really trigger happy cops That's shooting rubber, up. shooting rubber bullets, blowing, blowing cans at people, and just it's awful over nothing, man. You know, dude. I saw this <laughs> one video. Uh, I think it was. I don't think I ever forget this video. Um, out of I was probably it looked like it was it was New York, but it could have been like Chicago or something. I honestly don't remember. These cops uh, were just walking. They were like in a group, like just like walking down street, and there was like this really really old slender yeah. man, yeah, yeah, yeah. and was one cop just like pushes the man over. Man falls back, hits his, his head, head. Mm-hmm. and then blood starts pouring out of his ears. Yeah, and one and one of his colleagues went to go check on him, and then. A superior of that guy, like tapped him on the leg with a baton and was like, "Nope, keep marching." They fucking walked right over the guy. It's fucking terrible. Yeah, That's and then awful. Trump came. <laughs> Trump came out s- suggesting that the guy was wiretapped part of Antifa or whatever. Who knows? I doubt that's. I mean. Sounds absurd to me, but dude, even if he was, it's like, hey, that's a and it's, it's a human, it, it it's an old guy right. and a yeah. human being who's bleeding. Oh, that's the other thing. They said it was like a blood packet in his ear that was activated or something. Like, there, give me a fucking break. All the wild shit that people come up with, it's just, it's out of control. That's but so epic. That, anyways, that's, that's so ridiculous. That one was bad. I don't know, man. The whole thing, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. There's a reason, and this is something that I talked at length with Mike at length with Mike about was just, um, you know, when, when people are pushed into a corner and silenced and pushed into a corner and silenced and they're, and and it, and it's like happening generationally and nothing 
is really changing. I mean, it changes on the surface a little bit, but the the, the core of it isn't changing. You know, when it, when a group of people is silenced long enough or forced to be silent long enough, then, you know, sometimes they fucking explode, and the only thing that gets people's attention is for them to go nuts and 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 wreck shit. Yeah, and in that sense, I I have a bit of empathy for all the reckless behavior and the thing. You know, a very small. I don't. I'm not justifying it. It's absurd. There's no reason to loot and destroy property and burn down buildings. Agreed. But I understand. I can understand. I can empathize with a group of people that have that feel unheard, marginalized, profiled, um, unfairly treated systemically for generations. I, you know, I understand why they might throw a Molotov cocktail into a radio shack or whatever the fuck, you know. It just, I get it. I get it. Doesn't make it right, but I understand. Does, does radio stack, does radio shack still no, exist? No, no, no. No, I dated, my, I dated myself yourself? big time. Did you yourself? Yeah. I used to have a little radio shack microphone with a little, like with a switch on it. Oh, yeah? Had a quarter inch on it and just plug it into like a <laughs> karaoke machine or something. I remember that. It's funny, Radio Shack, I used to love Radio Shack. I'd just go in there and there was one next to the Publix that we used to shop at. And I would somehow convince my mother, God bless her, she's a sweet, accommodating woman. Every time, just thank, going thank to Radio Shack. Thank, and, thank you, Mrs. Brown. Yeah. Just go in there and just let me roam around and play with gadgets. Nice. Yeah, it was cool. But yeah, I think I understand it, man. I, I, I Talking to Mike... Opened my eyes a lot, and some of his friends that were hanging around. We were doing the production of this film and of the, and of the song and whatnot. So, um, they were telling me things that they'd experienced that were unbelievable and just shocking to me. And the, and like they were saying it like, "This is this is just how it is, man. This is real. <laughs> yeah, it's just part of their it's part of their daily. It's uh, and so I think it's important for. The only way th- real change is going to happen is if everyone's on board. Doesn't matter. White, black, green, doesn't matter. Everybody's got to be on board and honest about it and recognize what's what's happening. And um, I think a lot of people are afraid to acknowledge the, these realities because if they acknowledge them, then they, then they will feel some sense of obligation to help make the change. And I don't think a lot of people are prepared or they're too selfish or whatever they don't see the bigger picture or they're not they're more uh individualistic or separatist in their thinking um and it's foolish because the reality the reality is i think one reality of life or truth is that you know when when everyone's honest and everyone's pushing for the greater good that it makes everyone's individual life better yep yep and that Not sentiment like gets lost quickly in in the fucking soup of bullshit and media and whatever. So, I, dude, I couldn't agree more, man. And like, uh, I mean, I don't think that you have to donate to the Black Lives Matter fund. I don't think that you have to like, I don't know, like, like directly, like monetarily benefit like um, people who like. Uh, what I'm what I'm trying to get at here is just like, if you treat everyone with respect then you're doing the best possible thing that you can do. Like uh, if, absolutely. Yeah, like absolutely. It, like one of my first podcasts, I think like episode 12 or 13, was with Ethan Modboy Bramble, who is this awesome 
Australian dude. He's a streamer. And he has the craziest face tattoos of all time. Like, literally half of his face is just fully black. Both of his eyeballs are tattooed. A tongue is split. Other half, it's all completely, completely tattooed. Like, he's a scary-looking motherfucker. We talked for three hours just about, like, bullshit and just fun. And, like, it literally took me four seconds to just, like, get past, like, the way that he looked. And, dude, like, if you can't get past how someone looks... Well then, you're a fucking asshole. Like <laughs> then, there's something. Then you were. Um, there's a lot of. Pe- there's a lot of people in this country that can't do that, yeah. which is astonishing. Insane. <laughs> it's it really is insane. crazy. Yeah. I don't know. It's like. And a lot of times, it's not their fault. A lot of time, like a lot of time, like I feel like mentalities like that are very situational. Like if you were born into a family Absolutely. of like racists. That, and it's all you know, and you've never left, like, your little teeny tiny town in fucking South Carolina. And it's like, you hear your whole life that, like, Jewish people are, like, terrible and awful. And then and you meet... Or and, whatever the fuck. Whatever, whatever the stereotype Sure, is. yeah, whatever. And then you meet fucking uh, Levi Graham Weinstein, and you're, like, fucking talking on a podcast about, like, bullshit or whatever... If you can't get past, like, me being Jewish and, and when I'm asking you about, like, your favorite type of... Like, if I'm asking you, like, your favorite type of jelly, <laughs> it's like, what's wrong, what's wrong with you? Like, th- this girl came in the podcast, um, or this girl came in uh, One Music Collective a few days ago to, like, her friend was taking pictures. This girl was just here for for support. This girl, black girl, her name was China. Um, this girl walks in. I say hi. Obviously, I say hi to everyone who walks in here. Uh, hi, my name's Graham. What's your name? China. Okay, cool. Um, she walks past and obviously I take out my camcorder. I go over there. I'm like, what's up? Blah, blah, blah. Like Graham cam, you know what I mean? <laughs> like just doing my thing. And, um, like I put that away and then I go back there and I start talking to them and I introduce like, I, I had already introduced myself, but I was just talking to them and I'm like, China, like you're cool as fuck. You want to do a podcast? And she's like, yeah, sure. Like, let's fucking do it. We had the craziest fucking podcast. I'll never post it because it got way too crazy. But like during the <laughs> podcast, she literally told me. That she does not like white people. Like, and yeah, yeah, like she doesn't like white people. And I was like, well, do you like me? And she was like, yeah, you're cool as fuck. And I was like, okay, well, then it, it sounds like you don't, it sounds like it, it, it doesn't sound like you don't like white people. It sounds like you don't like stupid people, ignorant people. Yeah. yeah. And, and she was literally, <laughs> she was literally like, yeah, like I don't like racist white guys. Like, I don't like white guys who like judge me for being black. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like those white guys either. Like those guys are fucking assholes. And do you, like, do you know people like that? I don't really know don't, a lot of people like that. Honestly, I literally, I literally don't. I, I oh well, there's like, um, I know people who like make jokes that I can tell are sort of serious. Yeah, but they're like <laughs> much much older people. Yeah, and which is not an excuse, but is sort of like that like situational thing that we were talking yeah. about, where like you're sort of born into it. You know what I mean? And maybe you just like don't have like a ton of exposure to it. You know what I mean? I think that's why at you know. To me, the, and it's cliche to say, but it's, you know, like most cliches, it's rooted in some sort of ultimate truth. Um, Education is priority one. Yeah. Education. Education on food and diet. Education on, um, on appropriate 
social interaction and, and ex, ex, things like acceptance. I don't know philosophical stuff like that. I, I I don't know, man. I feel like the education system in America is not teaching. I mean, a lot of everyone knows this. Sort of inadequate uh, curriculum. It's all it's all very technically focused and 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 not enough. Um, open discussion like you get you know in like a master's level college course or whatever I think it needs to kind of be like be that from the start where ideas can flow and so I think that sort of engagement in a classroom even fifth graders could absolutely have that conversation if they if you sit them down and they I think it uh I think conversation is the one thing that bridges the gaps it's the, it's the first thing that bridges the gaps when you can talk to somebody and you and you and you hear them and you're like oh and, and you, like you said it immediately whatever exterior elements are at play they, they go away so i don't know i think it boils down to education and and uh yeah. in the in the home of course you know we have <laughs> we are we have a my my 4 year old is has a different father so sometimes I have to like. There's certain things that I philosophically that I disagree with that he comes home and tells me that his his biological father says that I disagree with. So I have to, you know, like say, "Hey, man, like it's okay to cry. In fact, vulnerability and and uh, and all that is a sign of strength. Mm-hmm. You know, a real man is comfortable with that." Um, you know things like that. Those kind of conversations. Uh, it starts in the home and at school. And I think that children are more than capable of having philosophical conversation. Yeah. Especially ten-year-olds, nine, ten-year-olds. They're, they're, you know, they're there. But I think in school they're getting, um, they're getting sort of infantilized in a way. You know, there's. In in terms of um, stretching their minds and opening their minds in a more abstract way, they're treated like babies. I don't think that's right. So. I I don't I don't think that's right. But I also kind of understand, like from the public school perspective, it's like you gotta kind of like you know. I mean, I'm not a father. I'm I'm not like a, I have no kids or anything. But I feel like if you like from a public school's perspective, like it can be hard for like a teacher who has like a teaching degree or whatever to like have like these super philosophical, like intense conversations with children. Like when, when that teacher doesn't exactly know like what the parents would want, you know what I mean? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like you're right. I'm not considering, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're Um, right. People are people. A a lot of people probably don't want you imparting that sort of your, your, um, Personal yeah, philosophies like it, onto a child sh- sh- in a classroom setting. Yeah, I didn't I mean, think about that. I mean, dude, it's probably uh, illegal somewhere. Probably is illegal somewhere. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. And w- with that said, uh, we're about to hit two hours, dude. Heard. This has been a fucking awesome, awesome, awesome podcast. Thanks for um, having me. And can we close it out with a song? Yeah, certainly. Let's do it. Okay. Unbutton my pants. I think that's out of frame, yeah? Dude, do what you gotta do. It just looks like you're playing with yourself. It's all good.
<laughs> All right. All right, so I'll do a uh, fairly fairly new song called When You Know. I've been, I've been playing it out here recently. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for coming on the Graham Radio Podcast. This has actually been incredible. And thank you so much for bringing out your guitar. Of course. Yo, we got into some stuff tonight. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. We got into some really, really cool stuff. I love it, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This of course. Cool. And uh, any, like, cl- closing remarks, anyone that you want to shout out, where can people reach you? Uh, JT Brown and Co. Um, is my handle for all my socials. Um, playing the Attic in Ybor City. On the 19th of February. Um, let's see. I guess I'll shout out my girl and uh, my babies. Who I'm about to go home to. Snuggle. Oh, snuggle time. Yeah. Snuggle time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I couldn't do it if I didn't have uh, a girlfriend who 
is very understanding and supportive of um, the freedom that I require to do what I do. So um, I'm trying to find some balance with it. We got three kids, so it's, you know, I mean, shit, three years ago I had three girlfriends and no kids. Yep. So things have changed, but I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. My family gives me the most joy of anything. So it's uh it's a new inspiration, a new a new reason to uh add to the purpose of things and yeah, so I guess that's it, man. Find I what you're fi- find what you're built to do. Well, cheers and go that, go full steam ahead. Full steam ahead. Cheers. Thanks. And dude, poker soon. We poker got soon. we gotta figure that one out. Let's do it. Let's lose some money. Ah, sure. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Graham Radio Podcast. I love you. Peace. Future loans. Eclectic houses. Forgotten spends. This is Joe K. And you are listening to the Graham Radio Podcast. Hit up the loan dog for more information.